Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. You know, I found that going through a bad season of life is a lot like traveling through a dark tunnel. The bad news is in that tunnel, it is dark. You can't see in front of you. You don't know if you'll ever make it out. But the good news is, once you've entered into that dark tunnel, with God's help, you're already on the way out. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You know, difficult seasons in life are unavoidable. If you're not going through a hard time right now, well, chances are there's something right around the corner. So the question is, when that day finally comes, will you be ready? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress shares what we can do right now to prepare for tough times ahead. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. As a child, do you remember playing with one of those inflatable life-size clowns with heavy sand at the bottom? You could punch the clown in the nose, and he'd lean way back, and then gravity would make him stand up straight again. Well, sometimes we feel like that proverbial clown, don't we? We have bad days when everything goes wrong, and we're stuck in an endless cycle of responding to punches. Today, we're going to see one of the greatest prophets who ever lived, who was tired of getting punched, and in a season of self-pity and sulking, God lovingly restored this man. He bounced back. God gave Elijah a cure by showing him the secrets of a resilient life. And in a moment, we'll look at a passage in 1 Kings in which we find these profound lessons on display. But first, let me remind you that Tuesday is the deadline for you to request your copy of the book that parallels our study on Elijah. It's called Choosing the Extraordinary Life. And when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, I'll make sure you receive a hardbound copy of my book along with the companion Life Application Guide. Plus, as a bonus, when you respond today, I'll also include a helpful six-panel brochure that's designed to help you clearly identify the major events in Elijah's ministry. This resource is called The Elijah Map. We'll explain more at the end of my message. But right now, let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 19 as we continue our study about what to do when bad days come. Although bad days or bad seasons of life are inevitable, they don't have to be paralyzing and they don't have to last forever. We've talked about the consequences of bad days. We've looked at the four causes of bad days. Now let's talk about the cure for bad days. As you look at Elijah's life, he demonstrates four key principles for handling bad, difficult seasons in your life. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. Principle number one for handling a bad, difficult season in your life is to expect bad days. Expect bad days. You know, it'd be wonderful if we could avoid these difficult seasons altogether, but notice the title of today's message was not if bad days come, but when bad days come. They're going to happen. Job 5, 7 says, for man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. We're born for trouble. And Jesus said it this way in John 16, verse 33, 
Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In this world, you're going to have difficult situations because we live in a sin-infested world. Don't be surprised by that. Elijah was surprised. He got blindsided by this bad season of life. But just because he got blindsided doesn't mean we have to. Let me mention just three events in life that are guaranteed to trigger a difficult time in your life. There are more, but as a pastor, there are three that I have seen. First of all, the death or the desertion of a loved one. The death or desertion of a loved one. When I was in my late 20s and early 30s, uh, I experienced the death of both of my parents. And especially after my second parent, my dad died, I felt like somebody had hit me with a baseball bat. I went through what I realize now was a deep depression for about six months. I didn't even understand what was going on at the time. That's what death can do uh, to you when you experience the death of a loved one. You know, I now counsel people who lose a loved one. They shouldn't even expect to feel normal for at least six months or a year. You never completely get over it, but it at least takes a year to get through that difficult loss. And by the way, for many people, divorce can produce just the same emotional reaction, the sense of loss, as death can as well. A second cause of a bad season in life can be a devastating loss. You know, losing your job or losing a house through a fire. All of those things can trigger a bad season because when these losses come into your life, you begin to wonder, is God really in control of my life? Can he be trusted to take care of me? I mean, if my house is just burned up in a fire or, you know, I've been terminated from my job, where is this God who is supposed to be watching out for me? By the way, Job experienced that kind of bad season through tremendous losses in his life. Remember, in a single day, he lost his children in a freak windstorm. And not only that, he lost his possessions. He lost his health. And remember his initial response? He knelt down and worshiped God and said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And everybody applauded and said, boy, isn't that a man of faith? That was in the first two chapters. That was Job's immediate faith-filled response. But then he fell into a funk. He went into a period of deep questioning of God, whether God was even real or not. We preachers, we like to preach on the first two chapters of Job without getting to the real part of Job's story, his deep questioning of God. Thirdly, sometimes a bad day can be triggered by after an exhilarating success, after that adrenaline has been uh, pumping, after your company or your church or your family has experienced a great success. Don't be surprised if that's not followed by a difficult season in life. It's important that we learn to manage bad days by expecting them. Secondly, refresh yourself physically. That's one way to handle a bad season of life. That was true of Elijah. Remember, he went a day's journey after he had run from Jezreel to Beersheba. The Bible says he went a day's journey into the wilderness. And verse 4 says, he prayed, Lord, take my life. What would cause him to pray that? 
he was emotionally and he was physically exhausted after running that 120 miles. And whenever we are physically and emotionally exhausted, it warps our perspective. You know, if you are physically and emotionally worn out already, and then you get the news you've been terminated from your job, you don't think realistically. You begin to think, well, I'll never work again. Or if you suffer a financial setback, you'll think, I'll never recover from this. That's not reality, but your perspective is warped when you're physically and emotionally worn out. God knew what Elijah needed after being worn out. To gain his emotional and spiritual equilibrium, what he needed was rest. And that's why in verse 5 it says, And Elijah lay down and he slept under a juniper tree. But that's not only uh, what we need to refresh ourselves physically. Not only uh, sleep, but we need sustenance as well. I assume uh, that this happened at night. Elijah had gone a day's journey into Beersheba, so it was probably at night that he lay down to sleep. And when the Lord felt like Elijah had gotten enough sleep, he sent an angelic wake-up call. We find that in verse 5. And behold, there was an angel touching him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then Elijah looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and he lay down again. The angel provided water, provided food, a, a cake for Elijah to eat. This is the first instance of angel's food cake in history. Is right here. I don't know if that's true, but it sounds right. Verse 7, and the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. Thirdly, to overcome bad days, it's not enough to refresh yourself physically. We need to strengthen ourselves spiritually. Now, as I said, the angel probably came to Elijah in the evening and had him sleep. And the next morning he got up and ate, took a nap got up and ate again. But look at verse 8 of 1 Kings 19. So Elijah arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and nights to Horeb. That is Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Now we saw last time that when he got to Mount Sinai, he went into a cave and the Lord said, what are you doing in that cave? <laughs> You're supposed to be a prophet. What are you doing in that cave? And then Elijah had his little pity party for himself in verse 10 and said, oh, I've been zealous for you, Lord. And look what has happened. The people have forsaken you and I alone and left. Well, after he said that the first time in verse 10, look at what happened in verse 11. So God said, get out of that cave, Elijah. He said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. You know, when bad days come into our lives, we want God to do something big, something miraculous, don't we? Or a miraculous cure to the illness, the immediate return of a prodigal, the overnight breaking of a 
destructive addiction, the erasure of the financial problems we're suffering. We want God to act dramatically and instantaneously. Sometimes he does that, but usually that's not how it works. It's not in the big things. Instead, it's in that still small voice that God comes to give us courage to face that illness or the grace to accept that prodigal's departure from God. The ability, the wisdom to handle the financial difficulty we're experiencing. That's how God speaks most often. And when the waves are crashing and the winds are howling around us, it is important that we learn how to listen to God's real but sometimes small voice in the midst of our bad season of life. Now, there's some of you right now who are going through that kind of time in your life, a difficult season of your life. There are others of you who think, well, this really doesn't apply to me because everything's just fine. Just wait, okay? Your time is coming if it hasn't already come. So let me share with you some ways, some practical ways to strengthen yourself spiritually when you find yourself in a bad season of life. Five things I suggest you do. Number one, dedicate a time and place where you can get alone with God. Dedicate a time and place where you can get alone with God. Now, hopefully we all have a quiet time with the Lord every day, but I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you're going through a challenging time in life, set aside a couple of hours, maybe half a day, where you're going to get alone with God. Now, you say, well, what do you do when you're alone with God? Well, that's number two. Select a portion of the Bible to read and meditate on. During these couple of hours you spend alone with God, select a portion of the Bible to read and meditate on. Remember, if we want to hear God's voice, the primary way God speaks to us is through his word. And that's why when we want to hear God's voice, we ought to read his word. That's how he's going to speak to us. You say, well, what should I read? Well, let me give you some suggestions. You might read Psalm 34, for example. Psalm 34 talks about the faithfulness of God. Or Psalm 51, if you've screwed up big time and need God's forgiveness, Psalm 51 is about the forgiveness of God. You might read Romans chapter 8 about the love of God. It's my favorite chapter in the Bible. Romans 8.1 says, there is no condemnation awaiting those who belong to Christ Jesus. And then Paul closes in verse 39 with, there is no separation from God. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. That's an encouraging chapter to read. For a longer portion of scripture, you might uh, consider reading the little book in the New Testament of Philippians, four chapters. You can read it in about 25 minutes. Paul was going through a bad season of life when he wrote those words. He was in prison facing what could have been his execution. But he said, I've learned to rejoice always in the Lord. I'm rejoicing in these difficult circumstances. And he explains why. The word joy is mentioned 19 times in the book of Philippians. It will help you get through that bad period of life. So select a portion of the Bible to read and meditate on. Third, choose one or two verses in those passages passages to memorize. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. As you read through, mark a verse or two that really speaks to you and memorize that so that it can come back to you after you're through with your time with God. 
Number four, this is something I think is important. Read a few pages in a good Christian book that is centered on the attributes of God. Why do I say that? Because when we're going through a difficult time in life, we need a reminder that we are serving not a philosophy, we are serving a real person, the almighty God. And reading a book about the attributes of God will remind you of that God who is in control of your circumstances. I'd mention a couple of books, uh, A.W. Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy, or J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. These books will help you get to know better the creator who is watching out for you. And then finally, I want you to add a fifth one there, E, spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer. I'm not talking about the these and the thous and trying to think up every theological word you know and regurgitating it back to God. I'm talking about being honest to God by sharing with God what is really in your heart, not what you think should be in your heart. If you're angry with God, tell him. If you're disappointed with God, tell him. If you are smothering in fear, tell him about it. He knows it anyway. Being honest with God can be a great source of peace. You know, I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. Something I have found helpful to do. If you don't know what to pray about, take out a sheet of paper. At the top of the page, write my worry list and write down everything you're worried about. Your kids, your grandkids, health, a financial problem, something going on at your job. Just list everything you can. It may take for some of you more than one page, but just list everything you're concerned about. And once you've run out of things to be worried about, take your pen, go back to the top of that piece of paper, scratch out the word worry, and right above it, the word prayer. Turn your worry list into your prayer list. That's what Philippians 4 says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. And the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Strengthen yourself spiritually. Fourth, and this is a step many people miss, encourage yourself emotionally. Encourage yourself emotionally. You know what our first tendency is when we're going through a bad season in life? It's to withdraw. To withdraw from our friends. To withdraw from our church. To withdraw from people and go hide and try to solve the problem on our own. By the way, that's exactly what Elijah did. What did Elijah do in his bad day? He said to his servant, when they got to Beersheba, he said, now you stay behind and I'm gonna go a day's journey by myself and sit under this juniper tree. And that's why when he begged the Lord to take his life, he was all alone. And if that were not enough, God tells him, okay, I want you to go down to Mount Sinai. He did, but God never said, go find a cave and hide in it. That was Elijah's choice. The greatest mistake we need make when we are going through a bad season is to hide ourselves from other people. God created us where we need community. We need other people for our emotional encouragement. See, God created us in such a way as we need other people. That's why God said to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. A relationship with God is not enough, folks. It's important, but God even said, it's not enough. 
You're a physical human being. You need other human beings to associate with. It is not good for us to be alone. And the most healthy social group that we can be a part of to take care of us emotionally is the church of Jesus Christ. That's why God created the church, because the fact is we need one another. You know, I've noticed as a pastor, when people, church members are going through maybe a disappointment in life, maybe a child who's gone astray, maybe a problem in their marriage, maybe a loss of a job, their first tendency is to, well, I'm going to take some time off from church for a while. I'm going to take some time off from church. What a mistake that is. Dr. David Jeremiah writes, our faith isn't a luxury intended for periods of smooth sailing, and neither is our fellowship. When trouble comes along, that's when it's wonderful to be a part of a faithful, Bible-believing body of people who will rally around you. They'll pray for you, support you with their resources, and encourage you and counsel you in tough decisions. Now listen to this. The devil is the only one whose opinion is that you should take a sabbatical from church in hard times. Don't listen to the devil. We need one another, especially during those difficult seasons of life. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, but encouraging one another. That's what Elijah needed. That's why God said, Elijah, get out of that cave and go reconnect with people. Go anoint Jehu and Hazael. Go meet that guy, Elisha. Pour your life into him because he's gonna follow you in the ministry anyway. We need one another. And that's how we encourage ourselves emotionally. Bad days are inevitable, but they don't have to be paralyzing. Those who live a significant life learn to expect bad days and learn how to refresh themselves physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You know, I found that going through a bad season of life is a lot like traveling through a dark tunnel. The bad news is in that tunnel, it is dark. You can't see in front of you. You don't know if you'll ever make it out. But the good news is, once you've entered into that dark tunnel, with God's help, you're already on the way out. As you suffer through challenging events in your own life, remember this truth. Difficult seasons are inevitable, but they don't have to paralyze you. This is one of God's seven secrets to success that I reveal in my book called Choosing the Extraordinary Life. Remember that time is running out to request your hardbound copy. The deadline is this Tuesday. And when you respond today, in addition to my book, you'll also receive the Life Application Guide as well. This is perfect for small groups or simply to conduct a deeper study on your own. Your gift to Pathway to Victory accomplishes far more than covering the cost of a book. Your generous gift allows us to bring light into the dark places of our world. For example, people like Andrea from South Carolina who wrote, Pastor Jeffress, I have a prodigal son who has dealt with substance abuse off and on for years. I'm grateful to say that he's clean today, but please pray with me that he'll not stray. Oh, and I want to thank you for your boldness and faithfulness, not only on Christian radio and TV, but also on various news networks. 
Well, thank you, Andrea. Wherever God calls me to speak for Him, I'm using those platforms to speak the truth of His Word. And thanks for encouraging me. Anyone who's given a gift to support this ministry should be encouraged by your comments. Because you give, I'm empowered to teach the Bible with boldness, even the hard parts that are sometimes unpopular. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. When you support the ministry of Pathway to Victory by giving a generous gift, you're invited to request Dr. Jeffress's best-selling book, Choosing the Extraordinary Life, along with the Life Application Guide. Ask for your copy of these resources when you call 866-999-2965 or visit online at ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, you'll also receive both the CD and DVD teaching sets for Choosing the Extraordinary Life. Remember, Tuesday, the 28th of this month, is the last day we'll be offering this exclusive package of resources, so be sure to get in touch right away. One more time, call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. A lot of folks prefer to contact us the good old-fashioned way, and if that sounds like you, write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, inviting you to join us again next time for Secret Number 7 to Choosing the Extraordinary Life, Living with the End in Mind. That's Friday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. Join Dr. Robert Jeffress on an unforgettable trip to Israel. You've read about places like the Mount of Olives and the Garden of Gethsemane in your Bible. And now it's time for you to see these remarkable sights for yourself. Join us on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel, April 25th through May 5th, 2023. To learn more and to reserve your spot, go to ptv.org.